0: Hi, I'm Denny Van. I live with severe food sensitivities.
1: I'm Chef Ken, and I teach people with food sensitivities how to cook.
0: Welcome to the Food Sensitives Podcast. Welcome back to the Food Sensitives Podcast. We are in for a treat today, Chef. Today, we're going to be talking with Jeffrey Reynolds, and Jeff Reynolds is a YouTuber, a podcaster, video editor, musician, I want to talk about that, chiropractor, and over a billion views and over a million subscribers on his collective YouTube channels. And we kind of stumbled upon you with your broccoli episode, love it. So we want to talk a little bit about your journey as a YouTuber when it comes comes to food sensitivities, and also you're a chiropractor, and are you a practicing chiropractor?
2: I'm not right now. I I keep my license current, but um, I stopped practicing about six years ago, almost five and a half to six, uh, as one of my YouTube channels just really exploded, and I um, just decided to focus entirely on that.
0: Excellent. And some of your uh, work that you've done with DreamWorks animation and creating videos for Awesomeness TV with over a a million subscribers. So with all the work you do on YouTube, what's your favorite?
2: Oh my gosh, that's a, I've never been asked that question before. Um, I really enjoy, I guess I really enjoy creating, creating, Narrative stories, um, action. Uh, I create a lot of um, action videos using Nerf guns. And that's on my channel called Happy Family 1004. It's a different channel, but it's basically, um, yeah, like action, action movies with Nerf
0: guns. It's, it's way across the board, all of the stuff that you do. Yeah. So with all of the stuff that you do, I also have a media company where you're editing and creating. Oh. What's your least favorite?
2: I don't know if I really have a least favorite to tell you honestly. I mean, I enjoy all of it. And I think that's what helps in part to be successful is you've got to enjoy what you do, right? Absolutely. And in, in, in my opinion, to be successful, you're going to have to spend a lot of time and many, many hours doing it. So if you're hating what you're doing, then it's probably not going to work.
0: I love that response. That's an awesome response. And so we were checking out your, your broccoli one, and we noticed that you do have, um, in, in your kitchen YouTube channel, that you have some recipes that are Mm gluten-free. And can you talk more about that? Because we are the food sensitives podcast, and we want to bring awareness to this. Mm -hmm. And we love that you're doing that.
2: Oh, okay, great. Um, since I'm still a licensed chiropractor, I have to go to get my um, continuing education credits every year. And uh, last year I was taking a class and this guy, uh, the teacher was teaching about the benefits of sulforaphane in broccoli sprouts and broccoli. And he taught a way of how to make them. And it's a common way to make them. And it just doesn't work for me. And so I actually looked up on YouTube and found another way to make them and then so I just started making them on my own and I and it's very I can do it very easily so I said hey well let's just make a video on that and um and so I made the video and I I make broccoli sprouts all the time and broccoli sprouts are amazing for you you know I don't know how 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 I would say is, the, are they going to help food sensitivities? But I mean, broccoli sprouts are something that everybody should be making and eating on a regular basis.
0: Powerful micronutrients. So what mm-hmm. is that? Tell, tell us more about that substance that's in there that's beneficial.
2: Okay. And I'm probably not the best to speak about it, but it, um, there are two plant chemicals within inside um, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, uh, cabbage, And I think it's mostly concentrated in broccoli and it's even more concentrated in broccoli sprouts, but it's something called sulforaphane. And actually sulforaphane doesn't naturally exist in the broccoli. It only is created when the plant is damaged. It's kind of like the plant's own self-protection mechanism. So if an insect or something is attacking the plant, um, when the cell walls of the plant break down... Uh, there's two major chemicals in the plant which is myrosinase and glucosinolate i believe anyways they mix together and they form sulforaphane and so that will probably ward off or kill the insects but that's a very powerful micronutrient for humans and um and you can watch a lot you can there's a lot to learn about it i mean it Uh, I mean, one of the biggest people that talk about it is Dr. Rhonda Patrick, and she has a lot of information about it out there. Um, And from what I learned that it's super concentrated in broccoli sprouts. So if you had one teaspoon of it, or one teaspoon of broccoli sprouts has the same amount of sulforaphane. Let me rephrase that. One teaspoon of broccoli sprouts has 100 times the amount of sulforaphane than a cup of broccoli.
0: Wow. Yeah, so getting it during that time as it's sprouting, it seems to have its most dense amount of it.
2: Exactly. So, you know, if you have children, and I have children, and they don't really like eating broccoli, you get that in a shake, and you mix that in a shake, and you're going to, you know, they're going to get 100 times what they get every day.
0: Absolutely. How old are your kids?
2: Uh, 12 and 14.
0: Do they have any food sensitivities?
2: You know, not a, I don't know. You know, it's interesting that you ask, and maybe you'd be the right person to ask. All, m- me and my two sons all have eczema. My wife doesn't. And I believe that it's something in my diet. I haven't really worked really hard to figure out what it is but I believe it's got to be something in my diet. Um, One thing I did notice is I'm in Texas and it's pretty, and I'm in San Antonio and it's somewhat humid here. It's not as bad as like, let's say Houston or New Orleans or somewhere like that, but it's not as dry as let's say the West Coast. But one time we were on the West Coast and most of my eczema cleared up and I was surprised. And it mostly comes right around my, um, right under my nose where my mustache would be and if i don't shave there regularly or shave the area regularly it really gets worse and when i was out on the west coast i wasn't shaving at all and it seemed to just resolve so i'm not 100 percent sure if it's a food sensitivity or if it's something to do with you know what it is but i believe it could or stress related i don't know maybe you could give me some insight on this
0: Absolutely. It could very well be stress-related. And I know for my son, he's now uh, 26, and he went through a process of trying to figure out what was causing that eczema, mm-hmm. and he discovered it's corn. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it starts with chicken skin, and then it's uh, usually in the elbows, on the neck, behind the ear, mm-hmm. um, and he too would have to shave Un- oh, wow. And it would cause irritation. So he discovered it's corn, and it it is a discovery process because everybody's so different. Mm-hmm. And then recognizing, hmm, I'm out here in California and I'm able to not have a response. To what's going on? So trying to yeah. put those puzzle pieces together is such an individual journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I mean, are your? Yeah.
2: I was gonna say maybe I wasn't eating corn there either. I you know as far as I've learned that there are the four major Co- the four major foods that cause it and you could correct me if I'm wrong is I believe it's corn wheat uh was it soy and one other can you can you tell me those
0: could be egg eggs too the eggs. protein and eggs could cause it but um for me soy I have a response it kind of looks like symptoms of MS where the whole right side of my body becomes numb mm. and and I've had uh a, I've been soyed, you know, and fortunate my son was there and we were able to switch drivers. But everybody's so different. And do your kids respond the same way with their eczema? Uh,
2: I know one of my sons has it, I believe, behind his ears. Let me ask um, my wife. Well, um, uh, where Robert has eczema as well? Where does he have have it? Okay, both of them basically have it on their scalp.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah.
2: You don't it for them, and you don't see it as much because it's either on their scalp or behind their ears, so it's not as noticeable as me. And I don't think I wasn't like this. My, you know, it 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 got maybe in the last fifteen. I'm on, I'm fifty now, so when I was about thirty-five, is kind of when it started. I mean, and. You may believe the same thing. I believe that um, you know, we can handle a lot of you know, sensitivities, but then at some point your body just can't handle it anymore.
0: And, and you, you start know, having
2: reactions.
0: Totally. And and it's interesting you say like in the last 15 years, because if you think about it, the DNA in corn has changed so much that we it's triggering maybe immune responses in many of us Mm -hmm. because now it's incompatible with our own or it's creating something else. So we have a tendency to avoid anything. Corn is really hard because we live in the Chicago area Mm -hmm. and everything has corn in it. So Mm -hmm. definitely. And of the four top things that could cause symptoms Mm -hmm. of that corn is right there at the top. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting you say that because I don't feel like we, you know, I, I eat corn chips, but I usually eat them organic. I don't know if that still doesn't matter or not. Maybe. Check the
0: ingredients if there's any corn oil, Okay. corn sugars. Mm-hmm.
2: And we try to eat stuff without um, mm-hmm. high fructose corn syrup. I, mean, I feel like we eat pretty clean, but
0: I feel like that. Corn. Yeah. And we just noticed today we did some shopping and there's a local Polish sausage company that we were buying their sausage from. And we were going to buy a bunch today. And I quick looked at the ingredients. They added corn syrup. So we had to put it back. We can't Uh eat that brand anymore. Mm. So it's a constant reading of those labels is what we notice.
2: It's interesting that you also, I think you mentioned chicken skin.
0: It, lo- it starts, the um, reaction starts with the skin becoming like chicken skin.
2: Oh, okay. I thought you meant, I thought you literally me- meant eating chicken skin.
0: Oh, gotcha. As soon as uh, my son eats corn, right. his first reaction is the skin reacts and it feels like chicken or looks like chicken skin. And it goes from there. Mm. yeah. Very cool. So um, you've done broccoli um, sprouts. Have you tried like... Um, radish sprouts or any other sprouts.
2: I need to make radish sprouts, and I love them. They're my favorite. Okay, I need to try that. You know, and this is a tip for anybody who do, wants to make YouTube videos: is that whenever you find something that is successful, you want to continue doing things like that. And we had started this channel that I'm talking about called Jeff Mara Kitchen. That's been up there for a long time, and we don't really post often to it until recently. Um, The rules or the requirements to earn money on YouTube have changed over the years. And one of the newer requirements are that you have to have a certain amount of subscribers, which is, I believe, 1,000 subscribers. And I believe you have to have uh, 4,000 hours watch time which kind of means in my the way I can explain it is like if you had, you know, a, a 10 minute video and you had 10 people watch that video for the entire 10 minutes, that means, you know, you've, that video has been watched a hundred minutes worth of time that makes, so they kind of keep an, they keep a track of all your videos and how much time people spend on it and add it all up. So Anyways, that channel we just would occasionally post it to, but that broccoli video kind of made it explode enough where it's I'm earning money from it now. So I'm like, oh wow, we're we're making money. Let's let's do some more. Let's work on this channel. And but how many time? But the but the problem is, is how many times can I show someone how to make broccoli sprouts? You know, it's only once. So what else? You know, I don't know what else to do. And I experimented once. I bought some kind of packet of seeds and it was a mixed microgreens. I saw that one. Yeah. And that was a total fail. And Loved someone, it. Yeah. And someone left me a comment that said that it was Mizuna or something, which I, have never, I don't even know what that is. I just wanted to grow it. And they said that um, it's really jelly, jelly-like. And that's probably part of the problem was it just the, the the water would never completely drain and it was always too moist and it just molded out and smelled awful. So I just threw it away. But um, maybe I'll, but I'm glad I spoke to you because maybe I just need to go. Make, I think radish seeds are basically the same way as broccoli. Sp- sp- sp-
0: sprouting yes. is
2: the same way. So maybe if I can make that, that'll be another video for try. It
0: has a really nice uh, spicy flavor.
2: That's what I heard. Yes
0: very good and easy just like broccoli sprouts to grow and alfalfa sprouts are good too and alfalfa Mm -hmm.
2: so yeah with my and that channel for anybody who's listening is called jeff mara kitchen again that's the same branding my very original channel was just called jeff mara and that's out there still and that was a completely children's well it started out whatever until about 2010 and then i started making thomas the train videos with my son and it took off. So I just did kitty, kitty stuff for many years. And now my kids are too old to be doing that. And things have changed within the ecosystem or not really the ecosystem, but with the government that it, it's makes it harder to make money with children's content. That's a whole another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Um, so I converted that channel. If you see the Jeff Mara channel now, I unbox stuff. I, I've just kind of, been doing this so long that people from China send me their products all the time. And instead of my kids unboxing toys, it's me unboxing stuff. And um, so uh, anyways, yeah. So the Jeff bar kitchen I've been trying to do, well, maybe I can do healthier stuff at least some, maybe, maybe the broccoli sprouts have brought me that kind of traffic, you know, people who are more interested into healthier cooking or whatever, so I I decided, okay, gluten-free is kind of a, you know, a pretty popular thing. And I saw this thing, okay, well, and I have kids in school that, you know, if you have kids in school, you'll note that there's always a kid now in class that, um, you know, when someone has a birthday party and they bring donuts or cakes for someone, there's always someone unfortunately left out because they're, ha- they need something gluten-free. And I saw these gluten-free cookies and I thought, okay, well, wait, how about, you know, Here's a gluten-free cookie ice cream sandwich I can make or
0: something. That's a great video. I saw that too. Yeah. yeah so, and, a I, and, if, and
2: the problem is maybe, I don't know if Chef is still there, but I experiment as I do the video, and I probably shouldn't be doing that.
0: Hey, Chef, you still there?
1: But, yeah, so um, broccoli sprouts, so do you, like, make sandwiches, salads with that, or well, where, where, how do you consume it?
2: Well, here's the trick, and this is good that you brought this up, that, that the high concentration in broccoli sprouts will only last for five days. And after that, they go back down to the same concentration as broccoli. So you have this very small window of time to consume it. So if you watch the video, it shows that it takes five days to make it. And the day that it's made is day one that you can start eating it. And you can't really leave it out because it's gonna spoil, right? Or we could get you know bacteria or whatever. So day one, will my wife and I, I'll just eat it. I mean, I like it. I'll just take a handful and put it in my mouth and chew it and eat it. But I believe you could put it on like a cream cheese sandwich would be great, or any type of sandwich.
0: Tuna, it
2: gives it a nice crunch.
1: I was thinking BLT type stuff, or yeah, yeah. tuna salad. yeah.
2: Yeah. I, you know, and I just misspoke and I just realized that, that here's a tip for everybody is when you're consuming broccoli sprouts, you cannot consume it with dairy because the casein protein in dairy blocks the absorption of the sulforaphane. Oh, interesting.
1: Oh, good to know. Uh,
2: And so that's one thing. And um, so anyways, to get back to your question, so we'll eat it raw the first day and then we'll freeze it. And put it in little baggies for the next four days. And actually, the freezing process breaks down the cell wall even more. So, and now, now day two, three, four, and five, it's two hundred times the potency than one hundred times. And generally, gotcha. it's, and it ends up pretty mesh, mushy. So, what we'll do is we'll make like a like a sh, like a shake or a smoothie, a smoothie. with it, and we'll yeah. put it in the smoothie. And we'll add fresh turmeric because fresh turmeric is super-powered antioxidants. And that's a a tip for you guys that powdered turmeric only has a life of 30 days upon processing. And you you probably have no idea when they processed it unless you have the actual date on there. So in smoothies, we put fresh turmeric in the smoothie. And so now we're, dealt, you know, and I think sulforaphane is like a massive antioxidant. So you use the sulforaphane, we use fresh turmeric. And now one other tip is your liver blocks the absorption of the turmeric. So to counteract that, you've got to put black pepper in the smoothie.
0: So what's your f- mm-hmm. smoothie recipe? Uh, there's a video there. Yes, I got to look at that one.
2: Yeah, and it's basically, I mean, we use... Almond milk instead of soy milk. I mean, milk, regular milk, because you don't want to, you know, you can't use dairy. So you did, and you know, you could probably even use water. Just something, that, you know, you've got to get some liquid in there, right? And I'm a fan of hemp milk. Hemp, I've never tried that. Yeah, It might be delicious. Um, so you know, you got your your. Um, your turmeric we got our broccoli seeds we got almond milk and um we'll put a little bit you need a little bit i think it's always good to have a little bit of oil that also kind of helps the absorption so you can put walnuts um pecans maybe a little bit of avocado that'll get a little bit of oil and then it's up to you you know berries fruits
0: you know excellent yeah just
1: that. go the smoothie route yeah, the yeah smoothie
2: route. A, yeah there you
0: go hey chef mm-hmm. yes what do you think what would you make with those broccoli sprouts or we've had um the radish sprouts mm-hmm.
1: yeah i immediately you know especially with our family um we would eat it all the first day you know the, the, as soon as it sprouts up there'd be a salad and, and there it goes you know so it'd be salad sandwich and uh that kind of stuff and um i would be really interested in trying it in the smoothie action though and and freezing it like that i would i would have never even thought of that i would have just tried to eat yeah i would have tried to eat it up as fast as it grew
2: are you growing them at home home, chef
1: we grow various we haven't grown the broccoli or have we 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 try different ones but
0: this past winter, we experimented with several different kinds of seeds um, alfalfa, broccoli, radish, and there were a couple other kinds that we were just uh, thumbs down on those, and I can't remember the, what they were, but definitely for sure the broccoli and the radish were the ones that went qu- the quickest.
1: Yeah, and we have a tortoise who likes that kind of stuff, too, so as oh. well, you know, we eat it and she eats it up.
0: Yep, she sure does.
2: That's great.
0: Awesome. So I want to thank you, Jeff, for being on the podcast.
2: May, do you mind me interrupting one second? Are you guys husband and wife here? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we're brother and sister. <laughs> okay. I wasn't really sure. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I'm just like, uh, you, you guys seem to know each other very well. And you, were, and you said you're new. And I thought, okay, maybe, maybe he's in the next room on his phone. or or he So is. you can do it together oh. or something. I wasn't really sure. It doesn't matter. I'm just curious.
1: No, yeah, curiosity. Um, no, she's my sister. I'm the older brother. We're, there's eight of us in the family.
2: Wow, that's amazing. Are you? In yeah,
1: this dude. Well? Yeah, yeah, we're like in the um, far west, you know, like the Rockford area, closer to Rockford than Chicago.
2: Hmm. You guys way- don't. You guys don't. I- First of all, I can say it. I've only been to Chicago once, but I loved Chicago. I really liked it a lot. I thought it was a great city and I, I hope to visit it again.
0: When did you visit?
2: Oh, gosh. It was like around 1998, 99. Chicago
0: was, was good then.
2: I flew in for a chiropractic seminar. I've, I guess I was at O'Hare, around, staying in a, a, a hotel around O'Hare, Mm-hmm. And then, like on my time off, I took the, the subway or the tram and took it downtown, and you know, checked out the Sears Tower and had a slice of Chicago pizza. And, awesome! Yeah. And um, I found it was interesting. Was uh, my hair's long now? It used to be short, but maybe there's a huge Polish community. Because there is. Someone asked me at that time, of, as if as if I was Polish, and I said no. I wasn't offended or. Oh yeah. I thought, oh, no, I'm not. But, you know, thanks for asking.
1: Chicago has the biggest Polish community in the world. There is not a city in Poland that has more Polish
2: people. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, There is, a, you know, Texas down here is a lot of immigrants came from through the Gulf of Mexico. And there is a town very close to here, a very small town called St. Hedwig. And I don't know if it's the first Polish community or... I know it's the oldest in Texas.
0: Very cool. Excellent to go get that sausage.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so. well we live for that. Yep.
2: I noticed you guys don't have much of a Chicago accent though.
1: Um well we're our suburbs. Yeah, we've had we, it we trained out of down.
2: us.
0: Yeah. That
2: Chicago yeah. cheese on it or
0: Yeah, Yeah, you know, it's going to be great, you know, let's go down to the Loop, check out some LSD, you know, Lakeshore Drive, go heading down south. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
1: So that's how it is though. So
0: let's close out. Um I wanna thank you, Jeff, for being on the podcast and I'm really looking forward to seeing the videos that you have coming out, especially around the food part. And uh yeah, thanks so much for being here and Ken, don't forget. Yes, to- and we hope
1: to don't forget to check us out on Facebook. And don't forget to keep on working on your recipe books out there, which we have to get our videos going on. And that's about it, right?
0: Awesome. We're going to see you next time. Thanks for being with us.